We come this evening to consider some very serious issues. Perhaps the greatest question that anyone can face is this it? Is this all that there is to life, what we experience in the here and the now, with all its trials and joys, pains and and celebrations and so on? Or is there something more? And what I want to do over these next three nights is to take a look at God's Word and to take a look at one particular psalm. I believe it's printed out there in front of you. Um, One particular psalm, Psalm 19. And I want to begin this evening by reading this psalm. And then we will say a short prayer. So if if you're able to see Psalm 19... Please take a look at it there as we, as we follow through with it. And this is God's word. And what an appropriate psalm on such a glorious evening. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech. Nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening his eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And we bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, it is indeed good to be in your presence this evening on such a wonderful evening. And as we are reminded by the, the sun that is in the sky and the, the beautiful blue colour that is all around us, we, we see your glory, your creating glory. We see your power there. 
And we ask, Father, that as we come to consider your word, that we would also know your power. We would also be able to see you. We would also be able to worship you. May indeed in all that is said and thought this evening in this place, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you are the only rock on which a life can be built. You are the only redeemer of men. So we ask for your help. We ask for your presence. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You probably heard about the astonishing figure last year of how the Giants Causeway had in excess of one million visitors. And certainly were we to go there even now it would be crowded. There would be people speaking many languages from every corner of the world. And why are they there? What are they there for? They're there to see a pile of rocks jutting out into the sea. That's it. But why do they come? What is it that makes them pay their money to get in those planes, to get in those boats, to land on these shores, then take one of those buses up to the north coast to look at a pile of rocks, to look at a pile of rocks jutting into the sea. We see there a simple example that whenever mankind looks at nature, mankind sees something in it. Nature Creation has an imprint. We respond to it in some ways. I'm sure that whenever we want to relax, or if we want to, to, to unwind in some way, we'll go out for a walk, we'll go out for a drive, we'll go and experience nature in some way. Nothing makes man, nothing makes humanity respond like nature. It has that wow factor Psalm 19 the passage that we've just read it explains why there is that wow factor what makes us respond in that way what makes us look at nature and think that's a glorious sight this psalm is speaking of the heavens of the sky and it talks about declaring the glory of God because whenever we look at nature whenever we see it in its glory we know that it speaks of something that is outside of us beyond us something that we can't fully understand and there is something within each one of us that reaches out for something that is greater than us we look to the transcendent. We look for something beyond us. We look for something that causes us to go, wow. And who of us even this evening and stepping out of the door and, and looking at the sky and looking up at the hills and looking at the expanse of all that is around us, who of us could not say, isn't that glorious? 
That's the sort of thing that we should be asking ourselves and we should be saying to ourselves. And it should come into our minds the question, well, is this it? Let me change that question as we go on. Let me change the question from, is this it? To what is there? What is there? And as we think about what God is saying in his word this evening, we think about this, that as we look at nature, as we look at the creation around us, it acts like a signpost. It points to something that's beyond us. It points to something that is greater than each one of us. It points to God himself. It's like a signpost that takes us away from our joys and our sorrows. A signpost that takes us away from our comforts and our challenges. It takes us away from our encouragements and the confusion of life to what is so much more. It points to God himself. First of all, let us take a look at nature. We're going to take this look at nature. It's hard to believe it's almost a year ago that that I was on holiday away up in the north of Scotland in the island of Orkney. It's a hard place to get to. To us it is so far away. It seems so remote. But what an impression that island, the mainland of Orkney, left on me. Because it was somewhere that I've never experienced what I could describe as big sky. There was it's a very flat place. There aren't too many hills. And basically at any point in the island, you've got a 360 degree view of the sea and the sky. It truly is amazing. There's a, there's a big sky, there's an open horizon. You can look in any direction and you just wonder, well, what is beyond that horizon? If I went in this direction, where would I go? If I went in the other direction, where would I end up? It's something in, somewhere where you can stand and there is this experience of openness and you can't help but to feel small before it. Because whenever we come to nature, whenever we are in that creation, we have to understand, we have to appreciate how small and insignificant we are. In the night sky, if we were to look up, we would see countless stars. We would see endless galaxies. We would see boundless possibilities. It's immense. It cannot be contained. It cannot even be described. The scale is so great. And it's emphasized here whenever the psalmist talks about the heavens and he talks about the sky. It dwarfs all that is on earth. It dwarfs the whole of humanity. It dwarfs most certainly you and me. Has it ever hit you just how small a country we live in? That if you fly into Belfast International Airport, you can see both coasts. 
You can pick out the main towns. You can see more or less the whole of the whole north of Ireland. We live in such a small place. It's an insignificant dot on the earth in the expanse of nature. Who are we before it? But not only is there the scale in nature, there's also an order to it. There's some way in which the the nature creation fits together. Notice how it's set out in this order that day follows night, night follows day, day follows night, night follows day. It's what's inevitable. That's what we expect. That's what we know. We got up this morning. We live through our day. We go to bed at night. We sleep. We get up in the morning. We go through our day. We go to bed at night. We sleep. And so on. That nature of our lives is placed upon us by the order that there is. Day follows night. Night follows day. There is an order out there. There is a a structure in which we live over which we have no control. And were we to look at this more closely and get right down into the detail, we would see precision and detail in every single thing. Things that we take for granted. Things that we assume have always been like that and will always be like that. They're made in perfect detail. If we think even of the the order of the planets and how the planets work together, and is it called an ossuary or something like that, where you have a machine that works where you see the the planets spinning around, that's one thing we didn't have in our science afternoon, thinking back to that. Um, you see that the planets spinning around each other in this great scale, this this massive, massive machine almost. And just one simple tweak moves one planet out of the alignment and the whole thing would fall apart, would collide and would destroy itself. So from the most precise detail and the smallest thing to the way the planet work, planets work, there is order. God gives that order. God holds that together. The psalmist talks about this as being knowledge and speech. It's something that's being communicated and it's that signpost that says, here is God. There is a God. There is a God in nature. There is a God above nature. There is a God who gives this order. There is a God who gives rhythm to everything that we know. Day and night. Look at how it's described. There's a tent for the sun. The sun runs its course. In an uncertain world. Looking at all the uncertainty that's around us. And who can tell what's going to happen in the world. Who of us can tell what's going to happen in the Middle East and the situation there? Who's going to te- who can tell what's going to happen in North Korea? Who's going to tell in a few months' time whenever Brexit happens? Nobody knows. There's uncertainty. But here is what we can be certain of. The sun rises and the sun sets. And that simple truth 
points to God. So look at nature. Look at creation. Consider what you see. This is something that is open to all men. The psalmist says that this goes out over all the earth. As the sun rises, as the sun shines down, nothing is hidden from its heat. And isn't it wonderful to step outside in evenings like this in a a place where we're shaded from the wind and just feel that heat. And that sun that we feel, that sun that shines down upon us is the same sun that is shining in Africa, shining in America, shining in Australia, shining wherever it is not night at the moment. God is everywhere. And this gift of nature, this gift of creation, belongs to the whole of humanity. And so we can say that, as this songwriter says, we're on different sides of the world tonight, but we're under the same bright stars. Nature points to something greater. Nature points to something that is accessible and understandable to all people, no matter where and in what circumstances they live. We can be so narrow in our lives. We can just look at ourselves and not look beyond the limited space that we occupy ourselves. And if that's how we live, if if that's what we look at, we will think, is this it? But the heavens declare the glory of God, so we must say, no, there is something more, something so much more. So what is there? As we're to look at nature, so we're to do this. We're to look behind nature. To look behind nature. What do we see if we, as we peel back the layers, as we, we lift the lid of this thing that's all around us that we see so clearly? We're told continually by those who would say there is no God. That the only thing that you have is what you can see, hear, smell, taste and touch. There is no more. And that everything that we are, everything that we do can be reduced down to to more or less numbers, can be explained. Many people try to live without this idea of a God, something that is beyond them, something that is transcendent, and have a fulfilling life. There was a group in London a a few years ago paid for a a bus ad to be put on the double-deckers that Wright brothers make. And the banner on the side of the bus simply said, there's probably no God live with it there's probably no God live with it I find that an interesting phrase because notice how they weren't able to say there is no God they just say there probably is no God 
There's no certainty in that. And in saying there probably is no God, we'll live with it. Well, just get on with your life. Do what you can within your limited sphere. Forget about anything that's greater, beyond, transcendent. Forget about anything that you can reach out to that puts your life onto a different level. That type of mindset just simply says, this is what your life is. This is all you have. This is all you can have. This is karma. There is and there can be nothing more. One Christian writer responds in this way. He says, The real problem for atheists is that they can look at a beautiful sunset or a newborn baby and they have no one to say thank you to. So in that great sight of nature, in that great sight of a newborn baby, those who don't see God at all simply have to say, so what? But is that it? Is that all there is? Is that all that we can say, so what? Whenever we're faced with the reality of nature, emphatically, no. What we see here in God's word is the truth. That creation, that nature points to God and God is central of in everything that we are, that nature is. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. We are part of God's creation. We have been made by God. God is our creator. He has made us deliberately. He has made us with care. He has made us with purpose. Notice the word handiwork in God's word here. That denotes the precision and care that God takes in making each one of us. We are not accidents. We are not Subject to a series of impersonal laws and processes. We are not accidents in terms of being that mere accident of faith. Fate rather. Where we're simply being born to live and then we'll die. We are not subject to that serious series of simple random events. That's what nature says to us. That's what the creation of nature says to us. That's who the God of nature is that these signposts are pointing to. This isn't the place to go into a huge debate as to the the whys and wherefores and the ins and outs of, of creation and how that happened in six days and so on. Set that aside. This is something that goes back even before that. One of the most important phrases in the Bible. One of them, and some would say, the most important phrase in the Bible because everything else comes from it. 
is that phrase in the beginning God created God is your creator the creator that is behind the whole of nature giving nature purpose that nature that declares the glory of God and only in God only in a relationship with this creator can you know can you find fulfillment and purpose in your life St. Augustine said some 1500 years ago you have created us for yourself and our heart knows no rest until it reposes in you So nature is like a signpost pointing us to God. Behind that nature is this God who is your creator, who has made you. But we need to take this one step further. And we need to look beyond nature. Look beyond what is there in the sky, on the land. This great view that we have that points to something greater what are the implications what does this mean how must we respond you see we can go out and we can enjoy nature and we can have that wow moment but we miss something out if we don't take it that step further because no matter how great nature is Say if we look at the the heavens and the sky, they do not call attention to themselves. But they point to God. And if God is this creating God, if God makes this world the way he has, that brings such awe into our thoughts and our hearts, then the choice is simple for us. We turn around and we say, either... You are God and I worship you. Or no, you're not God and I reject you. And this is where the whole teaching of this psalm becomes so important. It's how we respond to these signposts that are pointing to God. We cannot just simply walk away from them. We cannot ignore them. They're there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. They're there so that you look to God and you find who God is. This is what the Apostle Paul says about it in Romans chapter 1. And he says from verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them. That is the people of the earth. Because God has shown it to them. How has God shown it to them? Paul continues, For his invisible attributes, that means all the characteristics that make up God, Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
You see, as we look at nature, as we are in awe of what we see, we're put in that position of being before the power of God. But God's power doesn't stop with creation. God's power is reflected and shown in creation. God is so much greater. God is so much more powerful. And our only response to him is to bow down before him and to worship him. Paul says there that no man is without excuse. That is, none of us can say we don't know God. None of us can say we haven't been pointed towards God. Out there points towards God. God has made a clear declaration of his glory, but humanity chooses to ignore him and to live according to their own wills and their own desires. How many of you have enjoyed that great trip up to Ikea? And you've hauled around the, and you've had to go and look at all these things that you're not in the least bit interested in. Sorry, Molly. And in the end, you buy your flat pack furniture. And you take your flat pack furniture home and you try to put it up and what have you. And there are always bits that don't seem to go anywhere and don't fit. And of course, I would be one of those people who wouldn't necessarily look at the, the instructions. I would just start straight into it. It's a good idea to follow the maker's instructions. If you want to make something, go to the one who made it in the first place. Do what they say. And that is what we're being challenged to do by creation, by nature, as it points towards God. We're being challenged. Here I am. This is my power. Follow my instructions. When people don't follow God's instructions, whenever people set aside God's word and ignore God, it's little wonder that people live unfulfilled, fearful and chaotic lives. But what we're being told here is it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to follow that pattern. There is hope. Because as we're going to go on to look at in greater detail tomorrow evening. Creation isn't the only word that is spoken. There is the word of God himself that is written in the Bible. And the words that were spoken by Jesus Christ. The very embodiment of the word. And so as we think about creation, as we look and follow the signposts towards God, we hear the voice of his Son, Jesus Christ, who told us, and these are words that will be familiar to many of us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have Eternal life. 
You see, the signposts that point to nature. Nature is something that only takes us a certain distance. But this life that Jesus Christ is talking about, about not perishing, having eternal life, takes us out of creation, beyond creation. It gives us the life that God wants to give us. And that comes about by us setting aside our own will and desires. And coming to God, the one who has made this world, and saying, yes, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow Christ. You see, whenever Jesus says there, perish, should not perish but have eternal life, perish means more than just the final end. But it also means an end to that process of lostness and, and confusion that concludes in that final end. In other words, that new creation, that power in the life of Christ can be found in the here and the now. So too eternal life is life that may be appreciated in the here and the now because there is a renewed relationship with God the Creator. God the Creator is no longer out there. He's no longer separate and above us. We can commune with Him. We can come to Him. We can pray to Him. The whole of life and the view of life is rearranged. There is a new relationship with God. And so to answer the question, is this it? Emphatically, no. Creation, nature points us to God. And God sent his son, Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus says to each one of us, come. Come, enjoy this life. Come and set aside the fear, set aside the confusion, set aside the chaos, set aside the burden of your own desires and you will learn to see and you will experience life in a different light. That's what it means by the glory of God here. Glory is light. Glory is the light of God shining. And so it is that that glory can be known by each one of us this evening. So let me say, come to Christ. Acknowledge him as your Lord. And you will never look at creation. And you will never experience life in the same way again. Creation points us to God. Christ brings us before God. Come to Christ. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We ask, Father, now that we would have the minds to understand it and the hearts to receive it. 
may each one of us be able to glory in the glory of God in the light that you shine upon us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.